Good afternoon. This is uh, Jim Barton, and I'm here with um, Abigail Conley for Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. Um, today we're going to talk about the. Well, I'm just hesitating because we just talked about what the name, what the name we should use for this, but for what is known commonly as the Parable of the Good Samaritan. And um, first, I'm going to give the rundown of the ordinary version of the story, and then we're going to let Abby jump in with um, some commentary on it. So here we go. So the parable is. Uh, there's some folks that are talking to Jesus and they ask him what about the law and Jesus says you need to love your neighbor as you love yourself and um, somebody says well who's your neighbor that's their sort of tricky follow-up question defining terms is important in the law as I well know and so Jesus defines it this way there is a man who is uh, beaten and robbed and is lying on the side of the road first a priest comes by and ignores him and goes on about his way. Then a Levite comes by, ignores him, and goes on about his way. And finally, a Samaritan finds him. The Samaritan bandages his wounds, takes care of him, takes him to a hotel, pays for his hotel room, and then says uh, to the innkeeper, hey, if this guy needs anything, you can just bill me, and uh, I'll make sure that you get paid for it. And then Jesus asks, who of those three was the man's neighbor? They, for once, actually get the point, and they all recognize that it was the Samaritan. So that's the Sunday school story that we have. And um, now I'm going to let Abby uh, jump in with some thoughts on that story. So this is another place where we get a Bible word. You or I wouldn't use Samaritan in a daily conversation ever, unless it's in the context of this parable. Because, strangely, this has come into just kind of our common vocabulary and we always say good samaritan i mean we're in a city with a good samaritan hospital with good, good samaritan, samaritan ministries yeah i mean good samaritan is everywhere in our culture so samaritan is simply a person from samaria which is a region that still exists there are a few hundred samaritans still in the world and the primary difference is a deviation over what it means to be a person of faith in that context is what we know as Judaism. So Samaritans say no, it's only the first five books of the Bible that are actually law and we worship at a, this different mountain than you do. So in a lot of ways it's common, think of it as a difference in denominational beliefs or something like that. Like not so foreign that you have nothing in common at all. But culturally definitely created as this other and this thing that we are not while very much still within the category and you know it becomes the synonym for not only the other but also we assume the bad and for me I think there, there are two important conversations then what what do we see as the bad and then we'll follow up that with another conversation so if you're gonna say well automatically in this culture we would say this is bad and put in a synonym what would you say well i think we have i think we have um muslims right now i think are treated that way we have a we have a candidate for presidential office who suggested that we should prevent any muslims from coming into the country um I think transgender people are treated that way sometimes. We're passing laws against transgender people in some some places. So, um, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, well, I think immigrant is that is treated that way. I think immigrant is treated that way. You know, of where, um, you know, we we sort of have this that attitude. 
Thank you. Um, so I think those are all examples of people the larger society treats that way. If I was going to talk about myself, I mean, I think sometimes I can be dismissive of conservatives. I think I could be dismissive of somebody who is a, a redneck, right? Or, I mean, I think there are times, if I think about my own life, there are classes of people that I generally would put in the, the group to where I would have to say a, quote, good one. Oh, but he's actually a good evangelical. Right. Or he's actually a, he, yeah, he's a hillbilly, but he's, he's, he's one of the good ones, you know. Yeah, and I think even for us who consider ourselves progressive and enlightened and, you know, oh, we, we end up with, if you move the bar some. So, if you and I would say generally we have a favorable view of Muslims, well, that becomes different if we talk about Hamas mm -hmm. or Boko Haram mm -hmm. or ISIS or ISIL. Right. Because those are extremist versions. But yeah. And while there are many Muslims that you and I know who would say, well, that they're not Muslim, right. they say they are. Right. In the same way that we would say, well, the KKK has nothing to do with us. Well, right. they would say they do. So that becomes a really strange conversation then about what is that and where is the mark that we would demonize. Um, and then you raise the point then, what becomes the problem if we call him the Good Samaritan? Because by adding that modifier, or that adjective, it ends up saying, hey, this person is the exception. So there aren't many good Samaritans, so you found one. And you said there aren't many good rednecks, but you found one. Right. Well, clearly you and I have only been hanging out with the good Muslims, but they're right. not all that way. Right. Clearly you and I have been hanging out with the good immigrants. And you would say, well, you know, where was that? Well, if we talk about model minorities, and it's a very different conversation because most people, when they talk about their problems with immigrants, they're talking about poor immigrants. Yeah. They're not talking about Asian immigrants or um, Indian immigrants. They're talking because those immigrants are overall coming over as entrepreneurs, as engineers, as doctors. So that becomes this, okay, here's this model minority, but clearly this other minority is a problem. Right. And even within those, we kind of draw those lines of what's good and what's not. And so, it seems like this is a pretty clear part of the, the scripture that advocates for inclusivism, that advocates against sort of um, jingoism and says, hey, putting your country above everything is not, it doesn't work. Right. And um, I think, I mean, it's certainly, to me, it seems like it's a pretty tight comparison between... Um, Samaritans and Muslims. I mean, Muslims share a lot of the same tradition as Christians. They share, you know, they, you know, they Muslims agree that the Bible is a holy book. Right. And um, it seems like a pretty tight comparison. And I think this is a place where the Bible really strongly supports um, at least treating other faiths as your neighbor. Right. And maybe just the compelling thing to simply see them as also human, also like you in some way. Because I think the farther removed culturally that that becomes, the easier it is to see a person as other. So what happens if this immigrant doesn't speak the same language as you? And there's no way to have a conversation. Um, I remember one time I was translating at a health fair. And my Spanish is not good. It was better then, but still not great. I was the best they had. And they were trying, it was a Roman Catholic hospital, trying to reach out to immigrants 
and provide health care and some basic screenings. And they said, can you ask name and age? And I said, yes. They said, you're better than what we have. So come do this. And I ended up talking with the three-year-olds because that actually was a very common level. Like the three-year-olds and I could have a great conversation. Right. Talk about colors and numbers and all of these things that um, they knew and I knew the answer correctly. But you had to get a few removed to, to figure out, oh, there, there is a basic commonality here. And in that case, it was kids. I think that often can come up at different points of like, well, okay, so this adult really offends me, but the kids don't. Um, and I point that out just as a very weird kind of cultural understanding that this becomes different. Right. Um, and allows us to see humanity in a different way. So we have this compelling parable that says, see the humanity even in who you would consider your enemy. But how do we get there in a day-to-day? I mean, you or I aren't going to babysit for Moss members. Right. You and I probably aren't going to babysit for the immigrant family that we don't even know down the road. Right. So how do we see the other, the other as human also? It's a good question. I think, I think, um, I think it's interesting too that in this scripture, it, this isn't love your enemy, right? Elsewhere, Jesus says love your enemy. Right. This is saying. This is answering the question, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And what's curious is the neighbor does something here. The person right. is doing something good. So, honestly, in the parable, you find the neighbor by being vulnerable. Right. And so, um, I'm trying to figure out what does this story mean? It's one of these, like, you're talking about, I mean, this is such a, this is, I mean, I think many non-Christians know the good story of the Good Samaritan. Right. I think it's a very broad story that seems to be very clear that you can't judge people based on their identity. But I wonder what what is Jesus' point? Is Jesus' point that all Samaritans are your neighbors and everyone is your neighbor? Or is Jesus' point that you're more it's more important what you do in the world than who you are in the world? And maybe that's a point of just question of do you believe that that person you see as other is capable of good? Because you have Mm -hmm. someone who's doing good, but do you even see that as something this person is capable of? And it takes the next step to, well, would you be willing, is there somebody you wouldn't be willing to accept help from? Right. Or sometimes what I will find, you know, getting back to my own who's who's the Samaritan for me, right? You know, I will see people that, um, you know, are very conservative in their theology, right? So maybe they really disagree with me on LGBT issues. Um, they're very, sort of have a very strict literal interpretation of the Bible, which I think is destructive and I really think is a bad news. But then I'll see them doing all these work with refugees. Or I'll see them, you know, in one case, you know, adopting, you know, people from other places and really changing their lives. And it's a challenge to me to say, you know what, you may put this person in the box of other, that person is other, they're conservative, or this is other, they're evangelical, but Jesus is reminding me, hey, they're your neighbor, and particularly look at this good work they're doing, how how dare you belittle them based on their identity. So maybe this comes back to other things that Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. So a good tree can't put off bad fruit, and a bad tree right. can't put off good fruit. Um, but drawing that circle more broadly, 
to say, even compel us to like look for the good in others? Is it that cheesy and simple? <laughs> right, right. Maybe it is. <laughs> Listen, I mean, after 9-11, you know, a lot of people were suggesting, what does the Bible teach us about Islam and how we should treat Muslims? And I feel like this is a pretty fair scripture to say that we don't, we don't, you know, ban all Muslims. We don't throw out everyone who's the other. Um, I think that's a fair reading of this too. I think for the most part, I mean, we live in a pluralistic society where there's lots of religions, right? And that was, I mean, I think in Jesus's time, Jesus was talking only to Jewish people. Right. And to the extent there were other faiths, other religions, uh, I don't think Jesus saw them as equal. I don't think Jesus saw them as, as an option. Like, hey, you do what you do and I do what I do, right? I don't think that's fair. But I do think this sort of establishes at least a minimum level of compassion for those of another faith. So maybe that's part of it too. And I think, and maybe that's a more relevant component of it to us now than maybe it would have been to Jesus and the people who are listening to Jesus. Yeah, it's interesting that we don't know anything about the identity of the man who was beaten and robbed. Right. Was he Jewish? Presumably in this story, yes. Um, yeah. Because of who he was telling to. But it's, it's not about him. Um, and it's not about even... It is about attitudes toward him, but not in the way you expect. Not in the way that... Yes. Not in the way that healing stories are, right. or anything like that. It's it's about kind of this this just scene that you look on, right? Um, with a man helping. So strangely, so yeah. All right. Well, there you go. I think we figured it out. I don't think we have. But no. You know. All right. Well, I think that's good. That's a good. I mean, I really do think it is right. You look at you are based. You're judging someone by what they do and not by who they are, and you don't get to like inject people because of their identity. What do you think? I think that's fair. I think, think the, fair? I think the not ejecting people is especially really good. Yeah. But, yeah, again, just learning to Can see... Can you top off your water? Sorry. Yes, thank you. Oh, learning to see people as people and as human equal with you, no matter what. All right. There it is. I think that'll do it for this one. Um, thank you for listening, and uh, until next time, uh, cheers.